Trevor, and we are the Boo Crew. Welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 231. Here's a Boo Crew Fright Fact. In 1986, April Fool's Day, the film's French title was Weekend of Terror. And in Germany, it was titled The Horror Party. This time around, you are joined by one of the most impactful filmmakers in the horror space at our little horror party, whose menacing and graceful attack has had a profound resonance on cinema, the maestro... Alexandre Aja, a returning guest and good friend of the show, he's brought with him his fantastic new experience, Oxygen, a time of release available on Netflix now. Learn all about how this claustrophobic adventure in terror was constructed, working with the amazing Maxime Alexandre, composer Rob, and brought to life by the impeccable Melanie Laurent. He'll let you in on his plans for a sequel to 2019's Crawl, a mysterious interactive haunted house movie, and so much more. Episode 231 starts now. The Boo Crew dusts a fright flick off the shelf for Ah! Horror Homework. All right, we're going to go around the room and around the world wide web, all the way out to Leo in beautiful downtown. (laughs) (laughs) To each highlight a horror flick, to each... Other, and possibly even you, that we consider a must-see, perhaps worth a revisit, or things we want to see that we haven't seen yet. Who knows? Yeah, you never know. How are we all doing? You know what? I almost died a couple weeks ago. What? Okay, so I went outside. Oh, yeah. And I was going to the car. We have so many masks, and we have so many kids, and we have disposable masks, and we have cloth masks, and we have some that are like camouflage that are actually really cute, and my kids are really messy, so sometimes I find them on the driveway, and I pick them up and take them in, so I was not really paying attention, and I went into my purse to get my keys, and I'm not looking, and I'm like, oh, they left a friggin' mask on the ground right by the car so i'm like right by the driver's seat so i go around and i'm like literally close to stepping on it because i'm not fully paying attention and then i realize as i'm about to step on the mask it's not a mask it's a fucking snake and (laughs) it's a fucking rattlesnake what hisses at you so yes so my foot is going down and as i'm realizing it's a snake my foot automatically does this thing where it's like it stopped and went in the other direction and it kind of like arched up and then like hissed at me and i was like oh my god that's not a mask like it happened so quick have you ever had a run-in with a rattlesnake before no just a deer. yes oh you a have deer. i've never I have. okay my story is crazy well i want to hear leo did you did you get bit no no it's it was actually up you know by the canyons up by where you live up in the hills uh, you hiking up there from you know once in a while and had a rattlesnake experience and it just crossed my path and it, and it was just lying there in a straight line 
And I was like, great. Now I can't leave, you know? Yeah, what do you do? And he do? stood there for about 45 minutes. And it, it was this nice, like, European... Nice. Yeah, hiker that was, oh, okay. was hiking was up like, there, snake. and you know, I, I told him to stop because he was ten feet away. I go, hey, you want to stop? Is a snake? And he's like, oh, he's like, don't worry. He's simply stretched out to absorb as much sunlight heat before he crawls back in the hole for the night. He's like, he's harmless right now. I'm like, oh, cool, thanks. Wow. <laughs> yeah, my- but I will say this. Yes. I, I, I went home after that experience and I started researching the type of snakes that are up in that area where you live. Mm-hmm. You got to be careful. Yeah, thanks. Because over the last 10, 20 years, apparently the snake venom wasn't as powerful. Of course. So, you know, they were attacking other creatures, you know, defending off or mm-hmm. coyotes, wool, you know, whatever is up there. So evolution kicked in and made the venom more lethal. What the so fuck? that the snake bites can actually kill the predators up there. Jeez, Great. man. So, well, yeah. this is where our story <laughs> picks up, gets more interesting. So, oh, no. so I barely miss it. It's like hissing at me and now it's moving. And I'm like, uh, oh, shit. And then I'm like, all right, I'm gonna like slowly. So I fall because I lost my footing because I didn't expect to see a rattlesnake. Uh, right, right by my feet and so i'm like i'm gonna go around the other side of the the car and i'm gonna like get in that way and just like leave right. so and i'll be safe in my car well as i go around <laughs> there's another freaking rattlesnake on the other side Damn, you have two so there's two and i'm like are you kidding me like i just i couldn't even believe it so then i'm like it's like me being like Chris Pratt in Jurassic World or whatever. I'm like my hand, my one hand's in front of me. My other hand <laughs> is behind me. I'm like trying to calm the snakes down, walking backwards. Oh, no. And then they were babies, but they were huge. So then I called Trevor and I'm like, uh, there's like snakes on the driveway. And he, you know, of course, he's like, what? And I'm like, there's like two snakes on the driveway. And he was, you were confused, right? Yeah. Well, you didn't know they were rattlesnakes yet until I went out there and saw the third <laughs> one over by the water salt. Oh, shit. That's coiled. Right. That's right. And then you you looked at their backs like they, they have like a diamond yeah. shape going up their backs. Oh, and I man. said, these don't look like no. these normal little snakes that I've seen before. And yeah. sure enough, the first thing that comes up, it's rattlesnakes. Three yeah. rattlesnakes. So eventually, well, I just... The fact that it was a snake and then it hissed at me, that's all I needed yeah. to know that I didn't want to yeah. be there. But like, as I saw one of them slither away, like I saw its little shaker. Yeah. Into our garden. Yeah. So oh, no. a gardener comes by and says, oh yeah, those are just baby rattlesnakes. They are the most lethal of them all because they don't know when to stop injecting you with poison if they bite. Oh, the adults, shit. I guess, know how to temper the, yeah. their release of poison, but the little ones just got pump, 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 pump. So, oh, yeah, man. they had to spray repellent, yes. sort of a, you know, some sort of spray that they don't like around the perimeter of the house to keep the rattlesnakes away. That's pretty much all you can do because you don't want to mess with them. Yeah. So, wow. that's it. Yeah. So far, no I'm more not, rattlesnakes. Yeah, I've not seen them since whatever... You know, but every time I open the door. Terrifying. Or walking the dog. Yeah. Or the kids go outside. Rattlesnakes. Exactly. Yep. 
But like, why so if you many? Want, if you, if, I don't know. I want to know where the mom is. Where's the mom, Leo? Beyond the wall. <laughs> God, stop. Just pumping them out, just hatching out <laughs> right? little uh, rattlers. God. It's like crawl. Oh my god! <laughs> With snakes, right? With snakes. Oh. Dude, if you can, if you can dig up this movie, because I watched it on on Alvira's uh, show. What was it called? Uh, theater um, Macabre. Theater Macabre. Yeah. yeah, Theater Macabre. Back in the day, it was a movie called Rattlers. Check it out. Oh, oh man, no, <laughs> no, I'm I'm already terrified. Like I don't, you know. Yeah. So now I've been having like nightmares about snakes eating me. Like just swallowing me whole. Just oh no! Not pretty. Yeah, you know, I had to revisit a movie that we saw a few weeks ago by Timur Bambamatov. Uh, Profile. I had to revisit that because I loved it so much. Oh yeah! And second viewing, really intense. Part of the thing that intrigues me about the movie so much is how efficient the person. I mean, of course, we're all assuming it's the actor, right? Who's clicking, typing, yeah. clicking, typing, clicking. But of course, it could be somebody else. We we don't know, right? I mean, that's kind of the mystery, you know, just how efficient every movement was, right? Guessing password or trying to you know, come up with this or pausing for a second, like all of that added to the tension. That's when I realized all of this works and it almost plays out in real time, except for we kind of see a different day, different scenario going on, but it could almost play out in real time. If it was possible to do a, a you know, a story like this in real time, it could play out in real time. It has a seamless delivery, almost the illusion that it is real time. Obviously, you're seeing, you know, right. you're seeing the break of the day or whatever. And then the next day she right. logs on and everything. But you are, you are seeing her interaction with him pretty much all in real yeah. time, right? I think there might be a montage yes. at one point in the middle yes. or something. But for the most yeah. part, all of her interaction is in real time, which is yep. exhilarating. And like you're saying, yeah. all those little things on the screen, the the clicks and and the threat that she might click off a wrong window yeah. and expose right. herself because, you know, she's an undercover journalist and she's yep. screen sharing with her, her boss or her editor or whoever's watching one yeah. wrong screen click will expose her. And yep. it's terrifying. So and I, I kept looking for that mistake. I kept looking and I go, she screwed up more than once or twice. I know yeah. where, where was it? Where was it? Where you know? Where, what's going on? You know? So that kept me at the edge of my seat again. So I was like, damn it. This movie's so good. Also, on Prime Video, I checked out a movie called The Blackwell Ghost. You guys seen this? No. No. It's uh, from 2017. It's uh, by director Turner Clay. He's a journalist who goes on an adventure to prove that ghosts exist. Oh, cool. And after he... Yeah, he's, yeah pretty much. He, he finds a video online. So after finding a compelling ghost video online where an apparition turns a lamp on and then off, him and his wife from Kentucky seek out the homeowner in Pennsylvania and investigate the home for ghosts and paranormal activity. That's... that's about as far as I'm going to go in terms of telling you what goes on. It plays out like uh, reality, kind of like uh, paranormal activity. Okay. You know? It plays out like that. And it's pretty interesting because, you know, some of these video clips are based on actual clips that we see online that cannot be explained. So, if you're looking for something interesting, something different along the realms of paranormal activity, check out The Blackwall Ghost on Prime Video. Very cool. Awesome. Man. Speaking of Timur Bekmambatov, we watched, rewatched. Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Yes. That movie is so freaking good. So good. Yeah. <laughs> Lauren, did you even remember much of it from the first watch? Or was this kind of your first full viewing of it? Yeah, I think it was my first full viewing. So good. And I was so blown away by the weapon. 
I'm gonna, I was going to fuck that up. The weaponry? Weapon. You're just yeah. Weaponry. Gonna, yep. <laughs> yeah, his axe that comes apart and it's like a shotgun underneath and he's yes. spinning it yes. around like, dude, it was so fun. Quirky, exciting, fun. It was based on the book by Seth Graham Smith and Benjamin Walker. Tony Award nominated theater actor and comedian and a Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Tim Burton producing and it's in 3D. It's beautiful. Yep. It's fun. The vampires look awesome. The fight choreography is insane. I don't know. There's so many interesting scenes. There's a beautiful ballroom attack yeah. scene. Leo, I don't know if you remember, they have a, a massive fight on the backs of uh, stampeding horses. Oh, yes. Right. It's right. Like, yeah. Really cool stuff. And, you yeah. know, big yeah. mix of practical and CGI, but in a really, really unique way. And a lot of people love his work in Night Watch and Day Watch. One of my favorites is Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. If you haven't seen it in a while or if you haven't seen it at all, go back and check it out from 2012. The dialogue is stunning. I remember one line, real power comes not from hate, but from truth. Oh, it's so poetic and awesome. I love it. And the set design, I'm a sucker for anything that old world Victorian look. You know me. Yeah. They can just and for, you know, from my recollection, that movie spawned, I think for me, one of the earliest memes I've ever seen. Really? Remember the meme? No. It's the Abraham Lincoln with the axe chasing, uh, what's his name from uh, from Twilight? Oh, Edward? Edward. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so funny. Somebody photoshopped that together and I'm like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, this is awesome. That's so funny. And it was the first time, actually, a little fun fact, the first time a major motion picture made its debut for a United States military. They did a screening for the troops in the Middle East and they also showed it aboard the USS abraham lincoln aircraft carrier with oh, benjamin no there dressed up as abraham lincoln wow <laughs> yeah that's awesome that's crazy and one more thing we checked out leo this is uh part of the boo crew family here was a new short from a guy named elwood quincy walker that's right never heard of him never <laughs> <laughs> so elwood <laughs> Is a part of the family, and he is the guy who puts together the TV versions of the Boo Crew podcast that air on BS yes. Linear TV channel, available on Roku. And he also works on projects like for the Mystic Museum here in Burbank, who do their slashback video, the, the video display things that play during the exhibit. Yep. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. That's his handiwork right there. And that's he's so awesome. nice. He's super talented. He's a super nice guy. I mean, we deal with him all the time. And I've never yet to see one of his films. Oh, dude, they're so good. So he's been <laughs> making shorts and projects for, for a minute now. His latest is available on Alter, and you can link to it from his Instagram, which we recommend you follow, at cool. Elwood W. A direct link to his short also on his link tree that you can get over there, too, on his bio. So this, this new one won Best Student Short at Screamfest LA. It's called The Rule of Three. And I loved nice. it. And it has to do with OCD. And I have some friends that suffer from OCD. So it was a very interesting take on that. And I feel like when I was younger, I had a little bit of OCD. I think we all do to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah because I used to do things like a certain amount of times and be afraid that something bad was going to happen if I didn't do those things. Yeah. But I think I right. I must have outgrown it or 
I just have too much to worry about. Now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, eh, something bad happens. I don't know. Right. Uh, well, yeah, the woman in this one has everything's in three. So yeah. she has to like click the lock three times before she leaves, oh, kind right. of thing. And like, a lot of people, yeah. I've had that thing, you know? Yeah. That happens. I, I am yeah. that way about things sometimes. It was crazy to see it in a film and then a horror film and just the way it played out. And I, I just love, I know this is going to sound really weird, but I really liked the placement of blood splatter. Oh, it was done really well. And I feel like oh. it would have been accurate if it had really happened. Did you like on her face? Yeah. You're talking about. Yeah. Like they're just perfect. Yeah. Dots. No, it was, a, it actually had a, like a kind of a beautiful look to it. Right. It was yeah. like a seventies, a, like a perfect seventies horror film frame which exactly. is really tasteful and i think El- elwood's just he's got such a reverence for so many great horror movies and they come out in his work right. and that's an example of that and the lead in that one was played by hannah barefoot and she was freaking fantastic yeah she was really good nice there's three intruders involved and they all have these amazing masks and we have to get the masks. Exactly. So Elwood, <laughs> we're expecting I can, some masks over here. So. I can totally relate to this movie. I can totally relate to that. I mean, every time I go in front of the mirror, I, I, I just can't say Candyman once. <laughs> uh, Candyman. Don't, don't, Candyman. Don't, don't do it. Don't no, do it. No. Uh, oh, also, look up Trick. It's another one of his films from 2019 takes place on Halloween with a bunch of kids doing a seance. Ooh. Oh, that's gotta be awesome, man. Who would not like that? Exactly. Yep. So there you go. Support Elwood Quincy Walker. Be amongst the people who get to tell your friends, oh yeah, i known about that guy for years. Exactly. Yep. The Boo Crew will be right back. This is Alex Aja, and you are swimming around in the alligator-infested cool space of the Boo Crew. Where am I? Can't remember. I am Milo, your medical interface liaison operator. I have to be sick. No illness or abnormality detected. You mean I'm healthy? Unlock the door right now. I cannot comply with that request at this moment. My line begging you open the pod. I cannot comply with that request. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is a returning guest to the show. He's the multi-award winning maestro of terror. He's crafted cinema's most intense and memorable moments, including 2003's monumental high tension that cleaned house at Sitkiss that year, grabbing everything from best actress to best director and being honored with the grand prize. There was his telling of The Hills Have Eyes, Mirrors, the over-the-top blood-soaked party that is Piranha 3D, Horns with Daniel Radcliffe, 2019's Crawl, a Sam Raimi-produced thrill ride that became one of the new all-time favorites of genre and film fans everywhere, including other filmmakers like Quentin Tarantino, who continue to sing its praises. 
He does not just tell incredible stories, but his work has had tremendous influence on American cinema. He's introduced techniques and tone that have been woven into the cloth of every modern horror movie since. His latest is another masterpiece. A woman awakens in a small cryogenic pod with no memory of how she got there or who she is. She's racing against the clock in a fight for survival as we uncomfortably watch her depleting air supply. Brand new on Netflix, it's called Oxygen. We're honored to welcome back the virtuoso director, Alexandra Aja. Yeah! Thank you so much, guys. Man, it is wonderful to see you, and thank you yes. so much for the opportunity to speak with you again. Congratulations on this amazing film. Now, we got to say, since we talked to you last, right, it was here in L.A. when Crawl came out, since that day, we've each seen Crawl multiple times during its theatrical run. It became the first grown-up horror movie that we showed our kids and is now etched in their brains as a defining film for them. (laughs) When you look back at Crawl now, what are the elements of that film that you are most proud of being able to make stand out and represent it? I think it's this that very simple ideas of that, that simple story of this young woman coming up to save a dad, you know, from like an infested water in during like a, like a big hurricane in, in Florida. This very human story kind of was the, you know, after Piranha, like the, 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 the committee and the, 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 the kind of like over the top uh, blood fest, right. That I love to do with, with Piranha was very tempting also for, for crawl, but in a way, Crawl was way closer to high tension. It was kind of like a home invasion, but with, you know, with Alligator. And, and I'm so happy that people understood that because when we were trying to put the movie together, let's be honest, like a lot of people were like, wow, like a crocodile movie, really? You got, like you're going to, which I love crocodile movie and I love Alligator movie. It, it's not the point, but like I, I felt a lot of uh, people pushing back and First, that was an amazing surprise that Paramount, you know, believed in it and, and, and went, you know, all, you know, like, let's do it and let's do it the right way. But today, to, that the movie not only found, like, a, a, its audience, but also, like, so many fans around the world is, is the most, like, grateful. It's, it feels like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not the only movie uh, audience uh, uh, member that want to see that type of movie and that that's great because that kind of helped me in my process of walking on other movie by okay this is really what i want to see and and maybe like crawl like oxygen people are going to share the same uh, appetite is crawl a world you would ever consider returning to for a sequel yeah of course i mean we we we've been talking about sequel uh non-stop and 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 putting together really, really, uh, you know, fun take. Do you think it'd be something Haley and her dad would return to or completely different, different expansion of the world? I think, I think, you know, like the, the story of Ellie is a really strong one, but I believe that crawl is about, you know, a nature taking back, you know, it's, it's due and, 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 you know, kind of like the, 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 the like a more uh, hurricane driven with, you know, main versus animal type of confrontation. So maybe it will be another, uh, another story altogether. Got it. Oh, 
That would be amazing. Yeah, be Our incredible. kids would be so happy. Yeah. <laughs> they really gravitated to the heart of the film, too. The father-daughter connection, right? That family that's at the core. And that's exactly what we are looking for. We're looking for that human story right now to, that will be as strong as the one we had in the first one to make like a second one legit. Now, if so, like Crawl would be the first sequel that you would have gotten to do for one of your own films. And your fans, people like the ones you're talking to right now, have wanted sequels to your movies forever. Is there other films that you've done that you still would like to do sequels to? I mean, yes, like the, after The Hills of Ice, we, we really wanted to do the, the second one. And we had like a full uh, take ID that, that was, I think, really interesting. But, you know, Wes had another one. And, and you know, like we, we didn't go uh, to, do, to do the sequel, but that's something that I, I really wanted to do. Uh, and, and the same with Piranha, you know, like Piranha we had like a really, really fun full moon party in, in Thailand, like a, a take for another Piranha movie, but that was so expensive. And, you know, the, the studio at the time, Dimension, decided to go the opposite way, like the, the cheapest, smallest, awful, let's say, <laughs> uh, uh, sequel you can imagine. So anyway, that was like, you know, okay. And, and Mios, to be honest, Mios, I discovered the, the, the sequel, like, I think when it released, I had no idea they were doing another one. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, no one even, like, I mean, you know, we wrote the script. <laughs> we produced the movie. Yeah, exactly, and, right? Just, like, yeah. Anyway, sometimes Hollywood, yeah. Let's talk Oxygen. So it's been a script that's been around for a minute. Mm-hmm. And back in 2017, they had announced that it was going to be made and, and Hathaway was going to start. So how did it find its way to you? I read the script during uh, post-production on Crawl, and I had no idea what it was about. And I started turning the pages. And, you know, first I was, oh, it's like, you know, like a sci-fi version of Buried. And I love Buried. You know, Buried is that type of movie where I remember watching it and say, why I didn't think about it? Why? You know, it, it's so perfect. It's such like a great survival uh, starting point. It's a great concept. It was an amazing movie as well. And then like turning the page of Oxygen, I realized that the script was going into a very different uh, direction and, and becoming something unique that I'd never seen before and very... Um, almost like one of those labyrinthic maze mystery quest with, uh, uh, you know, like still very suspenseful, but in the same time with almost like an existential quest, you know, like uh, as it uh, unfold. And by the end, I was like, oh, I really would like to make this movie, but I was already uh, walking on my next project that was supposed to be Tomie, the Junji Ito um, you know, adaptation of, of his cult uh, manga. And, um, and so we went in prep, I was going to produce uh, Oxygen and it was going to stay in, you know, like be in English. And then the COVID happened and my uh, other movie stopped. I went back to Paris to, you know, full lockdown for months. And as I was, you know, in Paris, I was like, this is crazy. Like everything that Christy Leblanc wrote in an amazing way in her script, it's kind of happening in another way as we speak. And, and I, you know, it became like almost like a filmmaker necessity to do it. And so I 
you know, made a few phone calls and I like, okay, what if we do it in France, in French, right away? You know, as soon as the lockdown stop, we go back on set and Netflix like, we're like, yeah, let's do it. And it was like day for day, like a year ago that I think we started pre-production. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. wow. So Melanie Laurent and uh, Mathieu Amérique are spectacular in this. Yes. What drew yeah. you to them? Oh, I wanted to walk with Melanie for a very uh, long time. I think she has um, one of those very interesting kind of like very wide range of emotion, but also kind of um, very um, European somehow, like very French, even if she's making so many American movies and, and being in so many American movies. But um, there is something about, about her and about the fact that the character in the story, who's like carrying the movie, she's from the first shot to the last one, um, is, is someone that's going to discover things about herself. And some of the things that she discovers is she's like a major scientist, a major researcher. And, and I wanted someone who will bring like a real believability in, um, in, 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 this, in this ID. So I, you know, she was my first ID. I sent her the script. I didn't know that in the same time she was herself in lockdown and she was questioning like the, the next choices and she didn't want to go back to the, 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 the movie that she felt that she was always doing. And she wanted something that was in the same time challenging, in the same time talking about the time that we're living in. And in the same time, something that will, you know, put back, put, put comes real excitement, like a real, uh, um, you know, I've never done that before. And I was definitely that script. So it took exactly the time for her to read the script to say, I want to be in it. I told her, I said, like, are you sure? It's going to be really, really difficult. Like your character is spending three hours in that box trying to survive. Even not three hours, like two hours. You're going to spend five weeks. Oh my gosh. Did she ever go a little crazy being in that small space? Like I would. <laughs> I, I would. <laughs> I mean, like she, she went, uh, I mean, she didn't went crazy, but like, there, there were moments of uh, palpable like uh, tension and, and, and not, not like only for the performance, but for her, because she was also, she had so many wires unplugged. It took like half an hour to unplug everything. So she couldn't leave on between takes. She had to stay, you know, and, and, and stay and stay and stay. So, and acting, you know, acting in, uh, a lay down position seems like very easy but it's the worst thing because you cannot actually move the way you want so you're always really on your abs and your neck and it's very very exhausting but also most of the time the box is completely closed so you really start feeling that kind of uh, uh, suffocating uh, uh, atmosphere that kind of uh, oxygen going down and and so it was it was a really hard one for her but it kind of also feeds her performance you know you, you can see that she's taking from from like you know what she's going through in in, in the, you know like to 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 give us that amazing uh you know like a, a interpretation of 
of the character. Yeah, we're right in the box with her. And speaking of that and the mechanics of giving us that feeling, Leo, with your question. Yeah, there are many smart camera tricks in this movie from the angles to rotating to handheld close-up shots that help maintain tension and suspense throughout. What were some of the challenges in creating the illusion of working in tight spaces and the sense of claustrophobia? I really wanted to turn that challenge into an opportunity, you know, like, uh, and, and make it an opportunity of using all the different, I, I knew I had like a perfect um, continuity of character, obviously, <laughs> and a character and, and a perfect continuity of location that my storytelling connection was really strong. So I took that chance of, okay, we're going to open the toolbox get all the the different technique of filmmaking of framing of lens of camera of tricks that we have uh, uh, you know in our in our in our bag and we're going to use it to underline the best way possible every feeling that she's going through and you know something i will have never done even on a movie like crawl or other movie where it would have been so jarring the change of style but because we are in that tight box and that she's so present in every shot, you don't even feel it. But we're changing really technique in every scene. And, and we try to do that to avoid people to feel like, oh, it's always the same thing. It's kind of getting boring. I mean, like my big fear was that people will get a little, um, you know, like, okay, it's the box. It's the box. It's the box. And, and I seeing the the first reaction and, 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 and reading about, I mean, you know, like we have, I cannot check that myself with people in a, in a theater, like, you know, and see their reaction, but reading everything that's been uh, uh, told about the movie, I feel that people are really enjoying the ride without feeling ever that they are being uh, uh, trapped in the same place, which the case. Yeah, sure. I mean, the design of the pod itself is exquisite there's so much to explore, right? And it gives Milo a personality and the whole pod itself changes. You change it over the course of the film and it reveals its secrets. It's so fun to watch. And even the pattern of underneath patient 267, there's this beautiful pattern of lights. It looks almost religious. That that was the, you know, one of the direction that we wanted because we, some of the scene without spoiling too much, I like, getting into much more uh, heavy stuff, <laughs> let's say, that kind of almost religious touch that we had with the production designer, but also with the music. You know, like the music is kind of not going full uh, into the sci-fi. It goes more into the, the, the emotional ride, the, the, the quest of hair, the quest of oxygen. And, and it's like a very, you know, like we have choir, we have, it, 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 brings like another color to the movie altogether. Mm. Rob is, I think our favorite composer working right now, man. You've worked with him a few times and God, he nailed the Gretel and Hansel score the past year with my Gretel and Hansel is one of my favorite score. It's beautiful, right? Yes. It's great. And this one though, like the music that kicks in near the end, Mm -hmm. what was your reaction to hearing that cue for the first time? I, you know what? I'm, um, I'm very lucky because when you walk with Rob, one of the best thing is that he's composing on the script. So, so, you know, like he got the script and then he's so generous. He just give you a lot of different theme, different uh, piece of music, like hours of choices. 
And then, you know, I can build my musical universe as I'm like shooting the movie. And then when we start cutting the movie together, we don't need to use any music from any other movies. We just go straight to, to his material and the quality of his mock-up are really, really amazing. So pretty much we, you know, no point we had to even look for another, uh, uh, you know, like score of, an, uh, of another film. You know, it was just Rob from the beginning. And I remember for that specific big bar that opened at some point, it was kind of like, yes, you know, like he got it. But to say, you know, like we had something happening with this movie is because we started walking after months and months of lockdown. So everyone was kind of so um, frustrated and, and we had so much creative juices that we're like just uh, withhold for so long. So it was kind of like an orgy of, uh, of like an explosion of, of creativity from everyone, not only from Rob, but from the position designer, from Maxime Alexandre, uh, the DP. I mean, it was kind of like people were so excited to go back to work. I mean, we were so scared that, that we might never go back to a film set. I'm just going to jump back to the pod because I'm obsessed with it and the details. So where is the pod right now? Is it in your house? Like I would use it as a bed. I sleep, yeah, I sleep in it every night. <laughs> I just, no, 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 no. I, I, I turn it into, uh, um, you know, like a, a sun tanning uh, unit. So I'm, I'm like, you know. No, I mean, in fact, it is like still with Netflix. We still have to, I think for another couple of months, they have to keep it in a, in a stock. And then, and then I hope to find like a good place to, uh, to use it somehow. That's a great, you got to hold on to that thing. And Leo, you had a <laughs> yeah. question about, uh, about Matthew. Yeah, I was really curious about how milo really resembles like hell from 2001 a space odyssey was that movie uh referenced at all or influenced in terms of how milo the medical ai in this film speaks and acts i mean you you you, you cannot deal with ai voices or ai without referring to of course 2001 i mean it, you know it, it's one of my favorite movie all time and and that hand scene of 2001 when hall is getting disconnected and you have that empathy for the machine starting when he doesn't feel his memory and when you feel that he's dying and he starts singing that little song is is one of the most heartbreaking moments in film history and it's uh, ai dying which is like question the whole relationship to the ai we have empathy for the ai but the ai doesn't have empathy for us so <laughs> it is like the world and to go to to, to go back to Mathieu, I wanted like a very warm human voice. And I remember watching um, the diving bell and the butterfly where, he, you know, like the, the, the Jean Schnabel movie where he was the voice during the wall movie. And it was so comfortable and dramatic in the same time. And that's what I wanted for Milo. I wanted like a voice that almost like a ASMR recording like very close like in your ear and something that just because he's trying to shoot you so much he's trying to to relax you so much that it become like the most um annoying or like kind of like oh no stop you know like i'm dying 
stop like being so nice and 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 so yeah that's that's we had a lot of fun playing with that maybe the greatest thing about everything in this too is the fear of what could be outside the box it reminds us of that effect that films like texas chainsaw massacre had where your mind is filling in what it doesn't see and it makes it so genuinely personal and terrifying because everybody has the opportunity to fill that in and what they think is outside of that box. How fun was it to play with that aspect? It was a big question because of course, when you know you read the script the first time, then you know, and it's very hard to imagine if people are going to, to you know, see right away what it is about or if you're going to be able to play with the expectation. And I think, and I have to be really thankful to, to Netflix because I was really scared about the marketing, you know, and the trailer and everything to, you know, gave to give too much. And, 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 and they managed to withhold a lot of um, information and, you know, on the, on the, on the big stuff. So that was, um, that was an interesting, but that was definitely the, the game. The game was to lose the audience, to imagine, to be really with her and say, okay, you know, like underground, still at the hospital, you know, who did that to her? Who's the prime suspect? You know, have your mind like trying to find uh, um idea and, and hopefully manage to surprise you, even if you kind of see, uh, you know, I feel that the audience is always very savvy and in that kind of mystery box, they all want to to know before it's actually revealed. So sometimes you do and yeah, I knew it. And then sometimes you'll, oh, I didn't see that coming. So it, it, it is like a, a fun, uh, but the script was built like that. And, and what we did walking on the script and on that, really on that French adaptation was to really, really push, push for uh, playing uh, that game. Maxime makes every frame look like it should be in an art gallery. <laughs> what were your conversations with him regarding his work on this one? We, uh, I mean, now we're starting to really understand each other after 20 years of <laughs> working together. You know, it's, it's always a little bit the same process, which is we are talking about the lighting in the world of the movie. And especially on this one, because most of the lighting are, you know, within the box. So, so we had to find a way to, to create like an atmosphere, to create a certain evolution to create a certain uh, um, color palettes for, for the movie. So, so we did a lot of, um, you know, tests and, and research to, to be sure like what we wanted to find that, that right uh, um, color timing, that right kind of cyan uh, palette. And then, you know, like, um, you know, he also framed the movie this time. So, so he, he, it was really like a, I mean, I, I love working with Maxime because it, it is like a, a real open collaboration. It's like excitement every day. It's never boring. We always try to find, you know, like the, the way 10 years ago, we were like trying with Frank to, to find like a way to do the, the shots in Maniac. We, we had the same kind of fun trying to figure out the, the, the challenges of that box in oxygen and the same way we had with scroll as well. I mean, it's always like a very um, uh, excitement. I mean, he is like us, you know, he likes to come on set and be, okay, are we going to be able to, to do this? 
And then at the end, like we did maybe better even than what we wanted to do. Oh, wow. He's one of those guys like we'll look for films that just have his name attached to it. And yes. we'll watch yeah. it. If it's got Maxime doing cinematography, like it's going to be good. It's going to be a good yes. movie, whatever he's doing. <laughs> There's yeah. not, not many DPs who, who are like that, who have that quality. So lastly, what's in the immediate future for you after this one? Uh, I'm, you know, like a lot of traffic jam with, um, with, you know, like the, the pandemic and, and, and so a lot of projects have been just binding up. There is a lot of different creatures that I want to play with and different style. We have this, uh, haunted house, uh, uh, a movie at Emblem with, uh, you know, with, 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 with that control uh, technology like the choose your own adventure type of uh you know bend the snatch amazing oh wow but i don't know when i mean it's just you know taking so much uh time for everything to start again hopefully i'll be on set very soon i don't know exactly on which one i mean so yeah it is um it's a lot of excite i mean a lot of exciting project and is there any life left in, in Tomi? Did you get very far on that? I know Quibi was no, supposed I mean, to be the... like, yeah, yeah. Quibi was supposed to be, and you know, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the, the manga, but you, you cannot kill Tomi. So <laughs> <laughs> she, she will be back. <laughs> That's good to hear. Perfect, man. Well, Alex, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate yes. it. As always, we are yes. massive fans. It's a delight yes. to talk to you. And thanks for thank inspiring us, man. We can't wait yeah, to talk, do you. it again in person. Thanks. Hope to see you very soon. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 231. Special thanks to our guest, Alexander Aja. Follow him on Alexander Aja on Twitter. At time of release, his new film, Oxygen, is available on Netflix now. Production tracks provided by Power Man 5000. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew, horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy, or disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.